Chapter One of Flowing Gold. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas. Flowing Gold by Rex Beach. Room service at the Ajax is of a quality befitting the newest, the largest, and the most expensive hotel in Dallas. While the standard of excellence is uniformly high, nevertheless some extra care usually attaches to a breakfast ordered from the governor's suite, most elegant and most expensive of all the suites. Hence the waiter checked over his card and made a final fluttering examination to be sure that the chilled fruit was chilled and that the hot plates were hot before he rapped on the door. A voice, loud and cheery, bade him enter. Would the gentleman wish his breakfast served in the parlor, or... No, the gentleman would have it right in his bedroom. But first, where were his cigarettes? He hoped above all things that the waiter had not forgotten his cigarettes. Some people began their day with cold showers, nothing less than a cruel shock to a languid nervous system. An atrocious practice, the speaker called it, a relic of barbarism, a fetish of ignorance. Much preferable was a hygienic, stimulating cigarette, which served the same purpose and left no deleterious after-effects. The pajama-clad guest struck a light, inhaled with abundant satisfaction, and then cast a hungry eye over the contents of the rubber-tired breakfast-table. He, too, tested the temperature of the melon and felt the cover of the toast-plate. "'Splendid!' he cried. "'Nice rooms, prompt service. A pleasant-faced waiter. Why, I couldn't fare better in my best club. Thanks to you, my first impression of Dallas is wholly delightful.' He seated himself in a padded boudoir chair, unfolded a snowy serviette, and attacked his breakfast with the enthusiasm of a perfectly healthy animal. "'Is this your first visit here, sir?' "'Absolutely. Dallas is as foreign to me as Lhasa. It's the Baghdad of my dreams, and its streets are strange. Perhaps they are full of adventure for me, I hope so. Anything exciting can happen in a town where one has neither friends nor acquaintances, huh?' You are a well-read man, I take it. I? Why? At any rate, you have heard it said that this is a small world. Yes, sir. Good. I merely wish to deny authorship of the saying, for it is false. This is a large world. What is more, it is a world full of cities like Dallas, where men like you and me, heaven be praised, have neither friends, acquaintances, nor relatives. In that respect, it is a fine world, and we should devoutly give thanks for its Dallases and its Dalsatians. Jove, this ham is delicious. The waiter was accustomed to morning talkers, but this gentleman was different. He had an air of consequence, and his voice, so deep, so well modulated, so pleasant, invested him with unusual distinction. Probably he was an actor, but no, not in the governor's suite. 
More likely he was one of the big men of the Standard or the Gulf or the Texas. To make sure, the waiter inquired, "'May I ask if you are in oil, sir?' "'In oil? Bless me! What a nauseating question! At this hour of the day!' "'Most everybody here is in oil. We turn dozens away every day. We're that full. It's the boom. I'm in oil myself, in a small way, of course. It's like this. Sometimes, gentlemen-like, well, like you, sir, give me tips. They drop a hint, like, about their stocks and I've done well in a small way, of course. It doesn't cost them anything, and some of them are very kind. You'd really be surprised. Oh, not at all, the occupant of the governor's suite leaned back in his chair and smiled widely. As a matter of fact, I'm flattered, for it is evident that you are endowed with a money-making instinct, and that you unerringly recognize it in others. Very well. I shall see what I can do for you. But while we are on the subject of tips, would you mind helping yourself to a dollar out of my trousers' pocket? The waiter proceeded to do as directed, but a moment later announced, apologetically, Here's all I find, sir. It's mostly pennies. He exposed a handful of small coins. Look in my coat, if you will. But the second search resulted as had the first. Strange, murmured the guest without rising. I must have been robbed. I remember now. A fellow crowded me as I left my train. Mm, robbed. At the very gates of Baghdad. Dallas is a city of adventure. Please add your tip to the check. And make it two dollars. I'd like to have you serve me every morning. For I cannot abide an acid face at breakfast. It sours my whole day. Calvin Gray finished his breakfast, smoked a second cigarette as he scanned the morning paper. Then he dressed himself with meticulous care. He possessed a tall, erect, athletic form. His perfectly fitting clothes had that touch of individuality affected by a certain few of New York's exclusive tailors. And when he finally surveyed himself in the glass, there was no denying the fact that he presented an appearance of unusual distinction. As he turned away, his eyes fell upon the scanty handful of small coins which the waiter had removed from his pocket, and for a moment he stared at them reflectively. Then he scooped them into his palm and, with a smile, announced to his image, It would seem that it is time for us to introduce ourselves to the management. He was humming a tune as he strolled out of his richly furnished quarters. The governor's suite at the Ajax is on the mezzanine floor, at the head of the grand staircase. As Gray descended the spacious marble steps, he saw that the hotel was indeed doing a big business, for already the lobby was thickly peopled, and at the desk a group of new arrivals were plaintively arguing with a board and supercilious room clerk. Some men possess an effortless knack of commanding attention and inspiring courtesy. Calvin Gray was one of these. Before many moments, he was in the manager's office, explaining suavely, Now that I have introduced myself, I wish to thank you for taking care of me upon such short notice. 
It was the only space we had. If you wish, I'll have your rooms changed as soon as... Have you something better? Haviland, the manager, laughed and shook his head. Scarcely. That suite is our pet and our pride. There's nothing to beat it in the whole Southwest. It is very nice. May I inquire the rate? Twenty-five dollars a day. Quite reasonable. Mr. Gray beamed his satisfaction. It's the only suite we have left. We put beds in the parlors of the others, and frequently we have to double up our guests. This oil excitement is a blessing to us poor innkeepers. I presume it's oil that brings you here. Gray met the speaker's interrogatory gaze with a negative shake of the head and a smile peculiarly noncommittal. No, he declared, I'm not in the oil business and I have no money to invest in it. I don't even represent a syndicate of Eastern capitalists. On the contrary, I am a penniless adventurer who chance alone has cast upon your hospitable grand staircase. These words were spoken with a suggestion of mock modesty that had precisely the effect of a deliberate wink, and Mr. Haviland smiled and nodded his complete comprehension. "'I get you,' said he, "'and you're right. The lease hounds would devil you to death if you gave them a chance. Now then,' Is there any way in which I can be of service? There is. Gray's tone was at once businesslike. Please give me the names of your leading bankers. I mean the strongest and the most, well, discreet. During the next few minutes, Gray received and swiftly tabulated in his mind a deal of inside information, usually denied to the average stranger. The impression his swift, 